part of our worship gathering. We're doing it a little different. It's a little shorter. Um, we're not having a full sermon this morning. We're going to have more of like a homily, which is just a church word of saying like a devotional teaching. And uh, Mike and I and our team, as we were thinking of what would be a, a great, uh, how to close out our series, Salt and Light, uh, we thought of Jenny Hunt. Uh, Jenny leads our, our mercy ministry. Jenny is, if you know Jenny at all, you know she is passionate about mission and it is an overflow of her life. And so I want to invite Jenny to come on up. And we can clap. Yep. Oh, and, and a few other things. Um, we dismiss the kids now, you know. So we didn't, have, we didn't think through that one. We typically have the passing of the peace. So kids, you're welcome to go and have fun. Praise the Lord. Um, and, uh, and I want to read our passage uh, this morning. And then share a few thoughts and then hand it off to Jenny. We're, gonna, we're in Matthew 5. Our passage that we've been in the past several weeks is verse 13 through 16. Jesus is teaching and he says, You, speaking to his disciples, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under, under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Well, the past several weeks, we've been asking this question. What does it look like for us to be a blessing in the world? Jesus is teaching on the Sermon on the Mount about the kingdom of God. And one of the things that he's saying is he's wanting to unpack to us how to flourish in life. That's why he begins with these nine statements of blessing. Blessed is the peacemaker. Blessed is the meek. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That idea of blessing is flourishing. Flourishing are the poor in spirit. And then we've, we've looked at now Jesus is wanting to, he's calling his people to lead to the blessing and flourishing of the world. So we've been asking that question. What does it look like for you and me to be a blessing in the world? This is at the core of what it means to be a part of the people of God. And we've looked at four things that I want to briefly review. Uh, the first idea we've looked at is that blessing as an overflow. That we're not here to manufacture something for God, but we're here to embody who God has called us to be and how he's worked in and through us. Second, we're called to live in the tension. Because as Jesus outlines this kingdom of God, it is hostile to the kingdom of the world. And if we're going to be a blessing, we need to understand that. That the kingdom of our world and the values of our world do not readily embrace everything that Jesus is teaching. And so we need to be willing to enter into that tension. And then we looked at entering into that tension means we bring the sacred, bringing the sacred into our secular culture and world. And we gave the idea of a coffee shop, an old historical church that's been, that's been turned into a modern coffee shop and what we can learn from that. And then last week, Mike preached about how we are called to uh, invite people to experience the kingdom of God and enter the kingdom of God. And this week, uh, we wrap it up uh, with a, a short message on what does it look like to 
integrate this personally. And so, Jenny, uh, the past four weeks, you've been interviewing people and asking them how, how, what has God been teaching you personally, and then you've asked them to share a challenge uh, for the church. And so, if, if you may, would you be able to just share what God's been teaching you personally and then give a challenge for our church? Yeah, thank you. So Jay and I would have had to rock, paper, scissors for the lapel mic, but I, if you know me, you know that I really need both hands to be able to communicate anything with you. So we didn't have to rock, paper, scissors for that. So if you, I don't know if you know my story at all, but I spent a chunk of my adult life as a career missionary. I lived in a Muslim community in East Africa. I served on a team of people whose purpose in living in this place was to be a light for the gospel, to engage with our community, to build relationships. I was invested in my neighborhood, building relationships with my neighbors, cooking meals in their homes, breaking the fast fast during Ramadan with them, loving on their kids, going to the market with them. Um, I spoke about Jesus to my friends talked about what it means to follow Isa, that's Arabic, for Jesus, and how that faith shapes who I am and why I was there. Um, I experienced, I don't know if you were here last week, but my dad talked about how he loves the message translation of that verse in John 1 about Jesus moving into the neighborhood. And I thought about that a lot during this experience, that we were moving into this neighborhood, and, and that posture of incarnation was because that's what Jesus did with us. And I became in that a real student of a culture, a language, even a religion that were foreign to me. And I, so I got to just tell you, so I, I, I'm a runner and I was thinking a lot about how I could run in this location. It's, it's really, really hot, at all, but also we had committed to wearing full hijab all, all the time. So uh, those two things were slightly uh, in tension with each other. So I, I really got creative, and I, I had a really cool hijab running outfit. It was like these really baggy, long pants, and then this tunic top, air fit, air, air dry, what is that called? Dry fit, there we go, dry fit. Uh, you know, to my knees, to my wrists, and then I had this really cool dry fit, like, head covering, so it was just my face. That was visible. And I would put this on in the morning because you had to go early. It was, I mean, hot. And I would run along the beach. And one morning, I'm running along, and there's this group of women. And they call me over. And they, they say, can you teach us some exercises? And I'm, you know, I don't, I'm just running. You know, I'm just trying to have some, some morning exercise. But they were too, right? And they thought, well, she's running, so she must know some things about exercise. And so I kind of fumbled my way through trying to communicate some exercises to them. And and later that day, I I went home and I learned the vocabulary in Swahili that I would need to go back and do this again. Because I thought, gosh, this is, this is kind of cool. And so I, I wrote a big list of like all these exercises that I wanted to do with them and figured out how to say them. And it was a task, and I practiced how to say them, and then I I went back, and it became this kind of morning routine with these women. We would exercise together on the beach, and I learned the Swahili to be able to do that with them, and it was that way with spiritual language, too, so when I had something that I wanted to share with my friends, I had to figure out 
how to say it in this language and, and go back to the scripture and, and memorize in a different language these same scriptures that have been hidden in my heart since I was a kid so that I could communicate these truths. And in all of that, I experienced, even though there were some really, really hard things, and if I told you the whole story, you would, you would hear those things too. But even in those hard things, I experienced a real sweetness of integration. So seeing that my calling to live on mission was so integrated with my work and my relationships and my physical community that it was all so connected. And so when I moved back to Columbus, or not back, just to Columbus, a little over four years ago, I was, I think it's not an overstatement to say, I felt kind of hit in the gut with the fragmentation of this society, that I, I entered into this, this place where we are pretty bent toward compartmentalization. So we want to have our work box, and our family box, and our church box, and our neighborhood box, and our social life box, maybe. And so we have these things kind of in these separate compartments. And I, although I knew that nothing about my identity had changed, that I was still a missionary, the rhythms of that felt really off. Like, how, how do people do all of this together when there are these boxes? And so I really wrestled, and I haven't figured it all out. It's not tied up with a nice bow, but God has been teaching me about what it is to see that our identity is not these bricks, or blocks that we put next to one another, or even stack one on top of the other. It's not like this piece, and then this piece, and then over here is this piece, but they are, it's actually these like concentric circles. If I were in my classroom, I would draw it on the board. But you know what I mean, like where there's a circle, and then another circle, and then another circle. See how I need my hands, both of them? Um, and at the core of this, right, at the core of who we are, is we have been reconciled to God. He chose us. He adopted us into his kingdom. He rescued us out of darkness into the glorious light of his son. That is who we are on, at the deepest core of our being. And with that, as part of that identity, is the fact that we are also ministers of reconciliation. We get to bring the shalom to the world that Christ has brought to us personally. And that is true of us, again, at, at the deepest level of who we are. And so instead of this being in competition with these other things, right, a separate block, it can be the thing that flows into these other circles. That I am salt and light, a minister of reconciliation, at a deeper level than I am a teacher or a friend or a daughter. You are salt and light. You are ministers of reconciliation at a deeper, more true level than you are a spouse or a parent or a professional. This is more true about us than any other thing, and it doesn't have to compete. It can bleed into these other areas. And Throughout this series, as we've been camped out in this passage, looking at salt and light, one of the phrases that I have been most captivated by is this phrase, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. 
And maybe it's the language nerd in me. I'm an English teacher, but I love the metaphor and the image of this, right? The, the city on a hill. But I've also, I think I love the idea. So we don't travel now the way that Jesus's listeners would have traveled, right? We, they wouldn't be getting on a plane and then arriving at a destination. They wouldn't be typing a, an address into their GPS and then having their phone tell them nicely how to get to that place. Instead, it was a labor of walking, probably on foot, maybe on a donkey. It's, it's long, it's tedious. And there are these landmarks, right, along the way, things to, to see in the distance and to know Hey, we're, we're almost there. This, this is the city on a hill, right? You're, you're a weary traveler, and you're tired, and you're thirsty, and you just want a place to rest, and, and then you see it, right? The city on the hill, and you are oriented maybe along the way of where you're headed, but maybe that's your destination. That city is, is the place that you are headed, and either way, you are oriented in your travels, and this is what Jesus is saying about us that we are a city on a hill. That our role in this broken world that we live in is to orient our fellow travelers around the hope that there is something more, that, that there is a, a greater hope than any physical location. That there is a place that we are headed that is a place where all tears will be wiped away, death will be no more, he will be our light, and we won't, have to, we won't even need the sun because Jesus himself will be our light. Like, can you imagine? That, that sounds, sounds cool. This is what we're orienting people toward. This is what it means to be a city on a hill. And I think that when I think about that, I think, man, we have to be properly oriented. If we're going to orient other people, if we don't know what that is, what that is at the deepest core, that, that deepest part of who we are, and, and if we're off our axis, then how can we be that city in the way that we are invited into being? And I think it, it really makes me think that maybe being a missionary here is not so different, right, than what I experienced on that um, island uh, in East Africa. It's, it's not so different. We get to team together with other people who are called to the same thing. We get to build relationships with people who God has placed us beside in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces. We get to think about this idea of Jesus moving into the neighborhood and the model that he has been to us, and, and we get to internalize that. And we can be students of our culture. Yeah, maybe we speak the same language as, as some of our neighbors. Maybe we don't, and maybe we get to learn that. Maybe even in, our, in sh people who share some general cultural values with us, there are things that we can learn and listen to and respond to in, right here in our own homes. And I believe, and I'm coming to believe this more and more and hoping this more and more, that even in a culture that can, can lean toward fragmentation, there is 
hope for us to have these integrated lives. There, there are ways that we, again, as we are, are rooted in that deepest part of our identity, that we can allow that to inform these other places instead of feeling that they are always in tension. And, and this is what it is to be a city on a hill, to be cherishing the hope of the gospel and what it has meant for us in a way that also orients our fellow travelers who are weary and storm-tossed and desperately in need of the hope that we have received. So let us pray together. Lord Jesus, we confess that we are um, weak. We struggle we tend to put our identity into boxes and to stack them or place them side by side. And, and we hear that you are inviting us into something different. You are inviting us to see that we are deeply um, known by you and loved by you and that that is the truest thing about us. And because of that, we are empowered to live in a way that shines the light of your presence, your good news, your grace, your love um, on the path of the travelers around us. Lord, we pray that you would teach us to shine, to be that city on the hill, Lord, to, to point to the eternal hope that we have. In Jesus' name, amen.